Ethos New York Knicks podcast, Andre Galliber, after two straight losses for the New York Knicks. I tell you what, I'm not surprised by either one of them. People on Twitter talking about Toronto as a trash team, never should have lost. So I'm, I don't know how good you think the Knicks are that they can just walk all over Toronto. Toronto's not. They're not an injured team. Toronto came into the season supposedly better than the Knicks because of the roster that they had, and all those guys played. Talent-wise, they are a better team than the Knicks. The Knicks are better than them by record. They are better than them in how they're playing. But they're not better than them in talent. And it's something that you guys need to consider when you are criticizing Thibodeau. And I criticize him too, don't get me wrong. But when you are criticizing Thibodeau, you have to consider that he is not out-talenting these teams. They're outworking them. They're out-scheming them. And the Knicks are making big plays. They're playing well, and they're making big plays in these games to win these games. They're not out-talenting these teams. Toronto is a struggling team. They're struggling for a myriad of reasons. But talent-wise, they have as much front-end talent on their team as the Knicks do. Siakam, Scotty Barnes is not playing well. Siakam, OG, Van Fleet. These are good players. The Knicks can't just roll the balls out there and be better than them. They have to outwork them. They have to outscheme them. And the more the Knicks play these teams, the less that's going to happen. They play these teams in these short windows. They're not going to beat them consistently. As a matter of fact, I'm surprised when they do. When the Knicks went to Toronto and won that game in Toronto, I was shocked. To be honest with you, I was shocked. I don't expect the Knicks to win these games when they play these teams in these short windows. Because the Knicks are relatively easy to scheme against. They, their process offensively is basic. And that is a blame that you can throw at Tom Thibodeau. It's a blame that I throw at him. But it is effective against the majority of the teams in the league, including some of the best teams in the league, you take a team like Memphis. They played Memphis the first game of the season when they weren't playing well. They played Memphis when they were, again, when they were beginning a slide, right? And they lost both of these games coming down to the wire. Memphis is one of the best defensive teams in the league. They are the best defensive team in the league. Uh, A team that shoots the way the Knicks shoot, they have no business staying in that in those games, but but they did go back to again in the same stretch of games. Boston, Boston hit a record amount of threes, and the Knicks were still in that game. They outwork and and oftentimes outscheme these teams to even be in the games with some of the better teams, and they beat the average to below average teams. But if you if they're gonna play you in a small window, they're gonna lose because. They ain't out-scheming people twice in the same week. <laughs> These coaches not stupid. And I was afraid of this Washington game. I was telling people I was afraid of this Washington game. Because Washington got good shots in the last game. It came down to the stretch. Down the stretch. They, they got good shots. They talked about it after the game. They knew exactly how to play this team. They added Bradley Beal. And the Knicks don't play well at home. It was a recipe for disaster. And you got KP, who's auditioning to come back to the Knicks. Pretty much said as much. 
Oh, and by the way, for all of the reporters that fell for KP's spin that he didn't really want to leave the Knicks, and this is all a, a screw up on the Knicks front office part, front office's part. For all of the reporters that believe that nonsense, KP basically told you he was lying to you. With those quotes, he told you he was lying to you. He said that he was listening to the wrong people and he thought that he can have the same positive experiences that he had with the Knicks with any team around the league. And he found out that wasn't the case and he wishes he didn't do it. And he had this report. He gave this interview, or at least it was released right before the Knicks played Washington. He's auditioning. He wants to come back. He admitted to making a mistake, asking for a trade the first time, even though y'all got convinced by his camp that he didn't. He clearly asked for a trade. Now we can blame the Knicks front office for trading him for what they traded him for because they valued Dennis Smith Jr. when I think any any front office that had half a brain around the league knew that Dennis Smith, Smith Jr. at the time was just an inefficient player. And they undervalued Tim Hardaway Jr., who was under a lot of heat at the time for making too much money for the for his production. And he was struggling at the time, but he was starting to get his sea legs a little bit. But I'm not going to get into that. They basically pawned Tim Hardaway Jr. off like he was an untradeable contract in that deal and took less compensation back because they were happy to get Dennis Smith Jr. because they wanted to draft Dennis Smith Jr. But Phil Jackson drafted Frank Milikina. Both those picks were trash. So I'm not going to give much bail on that trade the front office made, which I think even though KP was perpetually injured all the time, it was an injury with him, which is one of the reasons why the Knicks weren't good because he was always hurt. I'm sure his value wasn't as high, but I feel like they could have gotten more if they didn't value Dennis Smith Jr. the way they did. So I will not give them bail for that. But in terms of KP wanting to be here and asking for a trade, uh, that's settled. That's settled. But yeah, he's auditioning. This was a... The Knicks are not good enough for trap games. And I said that early in the year, and I might start changing that if they start playing more consistently. I mean, you know, relatively consistently. Honestly, I just don't think they're good enough for trap games. But this was this was a car crash I saw coming. But I think it's a good time to talk about two things. And that was definitely a foul at the end of regulation on RJ. Just an incredible play by RJ coming full court and that was in that spot. Missed free throws from the Knicks again down the stretch and letting people back in the game down the stretch, again, 10 point leads and midway through the fourth quarter are not significant in the NBA right now. But the Knicks, they have to make their free throws. If, if they know they could just put you on the line and you're going to miss your free throws, the game's a wrap, right? There were several calls that weren't made down the stretch. I don't care what two-minute report said. That was a foul because it was called a foul in the second quarter. And that whole explanation that they give about how it didn't, basically saying it didn't affect the shot, is nonsense. Because how many fouls did you call in the last two minutes that didn't affect the shot? They called a foul on, and, and the league admitted to this, they called a foul on Jalen Brunson swiping on Siakam. He barely touched him. Meanwhile, Van Fleet started on a drive, Brunson didn't even foul him. He initiates contact with his upper body and elbow, upper arm, and knocks Brunson off the spot, and they call a foul on Brunson. But that same foul they called, they didn't call on Scotty Barnes when RJ dunked it on him. Use not him either. 
Scotty Barnes. That same foul was called on on iHeart in the first, in the second quarter. He put now he put his his arm on the shoulder a little bit sooner, but I don't care. Don't don't give this long winded explanation as to how it didn't affect the dunk when there were a bunch of fouls in a stretch that didn't affect anything and you blew the whistle. But it's the same thing down the street. If you're not going to make free throws, then you don't have there's, there's no there's no you get no bail as a Nick. You get no bail for these games down the stretch when you're not making your free throws. Make your free throws. You win the game. You make your free throws, you win the game. But like I said, Toronto's not a good team, but they match up well against the Knicks. They've seen the Knicks a bunch of times. They have advantages at positions. Uh, They have a perimeter. They play a perimeter-based center, and the Knicks have a paint-based center. So they pull them out of the paint a lot. And that's always a recipe. Now, if Siakam shot the ball better, it would really be an issue for the Knicks because he got whatever open shot he wanted when he was matched up with Mitchell Robinson. And Scotty Barnes got whatever he wanted when he was matched up with RJ. And RJ's defense is just is so bad right now that it's actually hurting the Knicks. It's actually affecting them on the court significantly because he plays a lot of minutes. They targeted RJ, and a lot of teams target RJ now. They just get him in, they get him moving and they know he's not changing directions very quickly. And I do think the Knicks as a whole, they're starting to fatigue as a team. When they first made these rotation changes, you saw a lot of quickness going from spot to spot, shot to shot. They were cutting off, cutting off passes on rotations. They were getting there before the ball a lot of times. You're not seeing that nearly as much anymore. And Tom Thibodeau was talking about the minutes police. Just to, listen, I'm not getting into the minutes police stuff. A lot of that stuff is just unsubstantiated in terms of how it relates to the rest of the league and the minutes other guys are playing. And the Knicks players aren't playing playing any more minutes than than a lot of the guys in the league. Uh, that said, that said, they don't ever get rest days like a lot of other teams do. The Knicks don't rest their players and, hey, I got a sore finger. I'm not going to play tonight. The Knicks don't do that, whereas other teams do. And the Knicks have to play hard to stay in these games. They have to play very hard. They have to rotate a ton because of the way that defense is structured. They have to rotate a ton. They all sink into the lane and have to spray back out to the perimeter more so than some other teams do. So, of course – there's a lot of miles being run on that court. And they play physical and in fairness to Randall, who gets praise and criticism on my show. He's playing physical. He's banging with people. He, you know, he's been a lot better in the last couple of months. And, he, and when you play like that, it's and he's taking a lot of shots. It's it's going to wear you down. And I don't put but I don't necessarily put that on Tom Thibodeau because he's he, he needs to win games. And it's easy to have like this sky view, this this penthouse view of the situation. Oh, look, they need they're wearing down. They need more rest. When the alternative is a bench that that's not performing. So now, now we get into the cam in forty eight camps, right? People say, "Well, you got to score on the bench in cam." Like Cam ain't proved that he can come off the bench and score. For this team, he has not proven that. 
not efficiently, at least. And Fournier is literally hit or miss. But I do think Fournier can provide more scoring off the bench than Cam can because he has a discernible skill set for finding shots. The problem is he gives up as much as he gives you. But you have to, if you can kind of play the matchups, which again falls to Tom Thibodeau, if you can kind of play the matchups some nights, I think Fournier can be out be out there and be okay for a little while. Um, but ultimately, to be honest, I just don't like the offensive process. Just, listen, when they win games, it's great. When they get these big leads, it's great. You got to take the good with the bad. But when you're playing a team that is scheming against what you're doing, you have to have things to fall back on, and they don't. And yet they just don't. Everything is just a tough shot. It's not enough ball movement. They have more sources of offense on this team than you're seeing, and it's frustrating. I tweeted out a sequence in the third quarter. The Knicks got beat in this Washington game from beginning to end. In the third quarter, Miles McBride came in and he gave a little bit, a little bit of a spark. It was one play. I mean, let's just be honest. It was one play. It was an opportunity he had the ball. IQ actually had it going. McBride, who's a natural point guard, relatively speaking, brings the ball up court. IQ asked him for the ball a couple times. Nothing crazy. And McBride just pretended not to see him. And he kept dribbling up. He called for an alley-oop. I'm sorry, called for a screen from Sims, who was in the game because Mitchell got hurt, which is about to be a thing. Sims comes, gives him a screen, and he turns that into an alley-oop, something you don't see very often from this team. For a team that runs high screen and roll as much as the Knicks do, they don't get drop-off passes and alley-oops to the center very often. Now, why is that the case? Several reasons. One, in no particular order. One, the screens aren't always that great. Two, the passer isn't always that great. (laughs) Okay? Three, the passer has has a hard time, and I'm saying the passer because it's more than one player on the Knicks that has trouble with this, has a hard time making the weak side corner pass because the weak side corner defender will sink down to try to cut off the roller from getting a score You have to be able to make the weak side corner pass, which is why Trey Young is elite and Doncic is elite. And it's hard to stop them on those screens because that weak side corner pass is is money every time they make it. All right. LeBron James is another one who historically makes that pass perfectly. Chris Paul will go down the line. The Knicks, however, they struggle to make that pass and they don't make it. They don't make it. Now you have two point guards who are primarily running these screens. Jalen finds his own shot. You know, whether you like it or not, he finds his own shot. I'm not criticizing it. I think he I think he holds the ball too long sometimes, but I'm not criticizing him because he's the best thing the Knicks have had in a long time. IQ, he doesn't find his own shot that often. Not as often as he should, but that way. He'll keep bringing the ball out, keep bringing the ball out, and nothing gets created sometimes, and that's why the second unit struggles. His numbers will look Decent, and they have been for like the last 15, 20 games. But nobody else is getting consistent looks. And it's just, to me, that 
functionally, that is harder. It's harder to get shots. It's harder to get good looks. It's harder to score when you're facing the same team in a short span and they see what you're doing. It's almost like being in the playoffs, which is why if I'm the Nick, if I'm a Nick fan and I am a Nick fan, but why many Nick fans are a little nervous about Tom Thibodeau, even if we make the playoffs, because he's slow to make adjustments and you can't just go into the playoffs doing the same things you were doing in the regular season. You got to have some wrinkles. And, and once the, the series starts, you got to have some wrinkles. You can't just come out and just do high screen and roll the whole game and not be the passers that you need to be to really make that a functional offense. And then they do high screen and roll with the same players. So you don't get different looks. In fairness to Cam Reddish, in the handful of screen opportunities he got, he got into the lane with an opportunity to finish almost every single time, but they hardly ever went to it. Fournier, to his credit, he's really good working out of the screen, screen offense. Well, obviously, he's not playing anymore. And, you know, we talked about what he does on a defensive end. Quentin Grimes, in a very small sample size, has shown that he can get something out of the screen game. He's good at penetrating. He's good at creating passing lanes for the big men. I just don't understand. None of them get those opportunities. And it should be a thing where when the ball finds Quentin Grimes, if he doesn't have a shot and he doesn't have an attack, a closeout attack opportunity, he should be able to call for a screen and hopefully get something out of it. And they should allow him to do it. And it's just, it's frustrating because I'm really, I really have the strong belief that the Knicks are going to struggle when they play the same teams in short spans. And when, and when these teams who they've played early in the year, and the Knicks already have one of the toughest schedules from here on out. And then they're playing teams that are familiar with them and their offensive attack is easy to stop. If they're not getting superhero performances from Jalen, RJ, or Randall, then you can forget it. And sometimes it has to be all three. Now, listen to this, just to make the point. This is from a tweet from New York Basketball. In October, the Knicks averaged 25.3 assists per game in November. 23.6 and December 22.3 in January 17.9 putrid this all coincides with the offensive increased offensive production of Jalen Brunson and and Julius Randle frankly so you can't do convenient statting here. The Knicks have been winning in most of these in this range of time. But again, adjustments need to be made. If something was working and then it stops working or is not as effective and then you try something else. Check this tweet from Schwinnipoo at Schwinnipoo on Twitter. For the season, the Knicks rank first in percentage of unassisted field goals made, 45.8%. They rank 30th in percentage of assisted field goals made, 54.2%, 30th. 
It's been even more extreme over the last eight games. First in percentage of unassisted field goals made, 58.2%. 30th in percentage of assisted field goals made, 41.8%. That's just, that's just bad offense. It's just bad offense at the end of the day. And you're really depending on superhero ball from Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And like I said, it's been working for the most part, but you got to have something else to go to. You got to. You got to know. You got to have a process to find good shots when you need them. And the Knicks just don't have that right now. And if you're depending on superhero ball from Julius Randle and his personal process, at least Jalen Brunson's process, personal process, is effective. Julius' personal, Julius's personal process is not effective every night. It's make or miss. It's hot or cold. And last night, he was cold. And you had a terrible game from Randall last night. And again, as good as he's been playing, you can't really jump down his throat when he has a bad game. But I don't like his process. It's the same thing. I don't like the process. There needs to be a process. Success is about duplicating successful processes. That's what the Knicks need to do. And the process that they will duplicate is ISO Jalen Brunson, essentially, even if it's off a screen. ISO Randall, RJ with his weak side attacks and mismatches. That's not good enough. There are other people in the court that have opportunities to score and you're not finding them. And I understand you heard me harping on the Knicks not finding Mitchell Robinson on mismatches. A lot of times you have people, smaller people sealed off at the front of the rim and they don't pass the ball. I understand that Mitchell's probably going to get fouled there. But you still got to explore it. It's not like you're so power, you're such a powerhouse offensively that you're going to pass up an opportunity for uh, a dunker to dunk the ball under the basket because he might get fouled. Like If this was the last possession of the game, maybe, maybe you don't risk it. But give him the ball, man. Give him an opportunity. Maybe throw it up so it's harder it's harder for them to foul him. So he doesn't have to bring the ball up. He can just catch it and go up, which they hardly ever do. But as I'm recording this show, the news just came in. Mitchell fractured his thumb last night. He'll be reevaluated in three weeks. So forget that. A lot of jokes about Hartenstein not being able to make layups at the front of the rim. Um, he, he's been tripping a little bit at the front of the rim, but I think he's relatively functional compared to Mitchell. He can't rise up and, and bang it down on anyone. It seems like Hartenstein has played better the last couple games after being clowned for, for his play the last couple of weeks. But the Knicks are losing. They're losing rim protection and offensive and offensive rebounding, even though Hartenstein can give you some of that. And you kind of see the good and bad with Jericho. It's just the thing with Jericho, and we'll do a deeper dive, is he he's very quick. He jumps very high, but his timing is off a lot. Uh, but he obviously provides a different dimension than Hartenstein does. The Knicks really struggled when Mitchell got hurt earlier in the season. So it's really it's, it's tough times for the Knicks. They got Atlanta coming up. Offensive rebounds that Mitchell provides gives them an opportunity to offset their low field goal percentage on offense. 
You get a little bit of that with Hartenstein. You get a little bit of that with Jericho, but neither one is as good as Mitchell is. So there's one source of offense they haven't been using. That's gone now. And, of course, we lose one of the better rim defenders in the league for a team that relies on rim defense. Yeah, not a good look. Not a good look for the team. Hardenstein does offer a little, a little bit more range in offensive talent. Even though you haven't seen it in the last few weeks, he can give you a little floater. He can at least pretend like he can hit an outside shot. He can definitely be a danger in the high post if you allow him to be. He can be a danger rolling to the basket, and he reads it well. He sends, he sets decent screens, and Knicks just have to be better at passing the ball. So, you know, that's one source. Quinton has a whole bag that's not being used, and it's frustrating. If you've seen any Nick fan that's watched these games knows that Quinton has a whole bag, an efficient bag, not, not one of these ISO bags. He has an efficient bag where he can score off screens. He can, he can score off the weak side attacks, close out attacks. So many different things he can do that you're not tapping into, just making him a spot-up shooter. And then you struggle to score consistently in the stretches of the game. And it's like, for example, the Knicks put R.J. Barrett with the second unit so R.J. can get more shots. It seemed like a good idea on paper, but it's, it's still not generating enough because they just don't seek out R.J. in good positions on the floor. You know, it's still sometimes it's too much IQ. Sometimes it's just too much ISO. There's not enough ball movement. I, RJ a lot of times benefits from the ball movement from the strong side to the weak side, and he attacks from, from uh, the corners. And none of that is really happening in the second unit because there's no Jalen or no Randall to focus on offensively. It's just IQ dribbling around. Why not give Q an angled pick and roll? I mean, Quentin Grimes an angled pick and roll if he's still in the game. Why not? Why not have some some actions that actually put other players in good positions to score things that they're good at instead of just making them stand around waiting to find the ball off rotation? It's just fr- it's very frustrating to watch. It's very frustrating to watch. The Knicks' offensive efficiency is coming from Randall, RJ, and Brunson being efficient the last couple of months in their offensive attacks. And I don't think that's going to be nearly as effective the more teams see them play. The more I see you pump fake me and put up a floater and stop short, like the more I see a six-foot guard do that, the, the less is going to work. <laughs> the less is going to work. But see, Brunson is so good that he'll find if you he'll find passes. There are, there are different ways that he can find to score and to be effective. That's not true for Randall and, and not really true for RJ. So put them in positions to score easily. And then the Knicks are just not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. And it's frustrating. And a lot of people want to fire Thibodeau for that reason and others. I just want him to have an offensive coordinator. I just want him. Larry Bird gets a ton of credit for what he did with the Indiana Pacers. But Larry Bird had Dick Harder and Rick Carlisle as the offensive and defensive coordinators on his team. Carlisle was offensive. Dick Harder was defensive. It wasn't a secret. Okay, and you know the kind of coach that Rick Carlisle is. 
It wasn't a secret. All right. Does that mean Larry Bird wasn't a good head coach? No, it means that Larry Bird was a great head coach because he was able to, to delegate and say, hey, I, here, I know that you're better at this than I am. I can be good at this, that, and the other. And that's what and that's what Tibbs needs to do. He needs to recognize where he's strong and stop being stubborn and let somebody else come in here and be like, listen, let, let's put these other guys in some positions to score and maybe we can steal some baskets. And that might be all we need. Maybe we can develop and establish something that we know is going to get us a good shot every single time. And, and then it becomes a make or miss situation as opposed to can we get a good shot? Just very, just very frustrating. And the Knicks going into a stretch of games where they need to pull out some wins because they're finishing the season with some really good teams. And you see Atlanta is starting to win some games now. I, as a fan, you're watching the games and you're thinking, this is fun, right? But people are jumping, people jump to so many conclusions over the standings right now. You see two game, three game leads and you act like it's the end of the world. This whole thing can be turning his head in two weeks. And Nick fans should be intimately aware of that because you saw it already happen when the Knicks were falling off and then they turned it around with an eight-game win streak. Any of these teams can turn it around. Most of these teams are more talented than your team is. More talented than your team is. Stop thinking that you're so much better than these other teams. You're not. You're just playing better. And that will change if the Knicks don't start adjusting better than they are. And that's got it's got to be frustrating. You know I'm not one to go into panic mode over losses for a team that I said was going to be about 500 from the beginning of the season. You know I don't go into panic mode about it. You know I don't flip out. But they're they're starting to they're starting to become a couple troubling patterns with this team that don't seem to have a light at the end of the tunnel. There's no reason to think they're going to change. Okay? There's three trends that you're seeing. One is the end of the game stuff. But I think there's going I think it's going to get a little bit better. A little bit, not significantly. Because I think other teams smell blood in the water at the end of the game now. So you're you're going to see an effort that's off the charts. But I think they're going to handle it a little bit better than they have, which might give them a few more wins. I don't really count the Toronto game because 10-point leads, that's like, that's nothing. That's nothing. The Washington game, though, they had that lead a little later in the game, and Washington almost came back, and that's, again, ridiculous. But I do have a little hope for them there because I just feel like their demeanor at the end of the game is just a little smarter. Their process and approach is just a little bit smarter. And I think that's why they pulled that Washington game out. I think maybe a week or so prior, they might've lost that game too. But the other two things, their offensive approach to teams that are familiar with them and familiar with what they're doing on offense and defense and their lack of adjustments I don't think that's changing. I don't think that's changing. At all. And their troubles at home. And I talked about this in one of the first episodes. One of the first episodes, I said Tom Thibodeau is one of the first coaches I've heard 
talk about how the Knicks being at home is not really an advantage because other teams are coming in here looking for looking for a show, looking to put on a show. And sports writer Bondi, he tweeted that it's a myth that the Knicks record at home is any different than anyone else's. I, I'm willing to dig into that. The Knicks had a good record at home in 2020 when there was nobody in the stands. He went back a few years to make his point. The Knicks had a good record at home in 2020 when there was nobody in the stands. The problem in the garden is those fans, you can sit there and listen to them murmur and talk and, and be pissed off and talking trash about you. <laughs> you can literally hear conversations in the crowd. It hurts them. I'm telling you, you got to be built for this city. I think Brunson is built for it, even though he's shown a little frailty down the stretch in these games. I think RJ's built for it, even though RJ has his own set of issues. I don't think Randall is built for it. I think Randall is too temperamental to be. You have to be. See, RJ Barrett is irrationally confident. But he's irrational confident, irrationally confident, and he works hard on his game. Which is why, even though I've been the first one to acknowledge the critiques of R.J. Barrett, I've always been kind of like, but I believe, I believe in his potential because I know he works hard. And you've seen that. You've seen it. Again, the last couple of months, you know, he's been fairly good for 20 games now. Uh, but, and I believe in Brunson. I think Brunson is just a professional basketball player. He's a skilled basketball player. He's not just a talented basketball player. He's a, a skilled basketball player. And when you have skill to fall back on and fundamentals to fall back on, you're not going to fluctuate with your confidence quite as much. When you're kind of just, when you've always kind of gotten by on your talent and you get stonewalled a little bit, things can get a little shaky. And I've seen Julius Randle. Julius Randle is a hard worker. He works hard on his game. He can loaf in the game a little bit. Uh, I think he has focus issues during the game when he's not engaged. He's disengaged defensively for whatever reason. He's almost admitted as much. Offensively, his I just don't think he has great fundamentals. So he doesn't have his fundamentals to fall back on. It's just his talent. And when his talent gets stonewalled, he's not sure which way to go. And he's struggling at the free throw line at the end of the game, too. I just I feel like Julius Randle, you can almost see Julius Randle thinking sometimes. And you just you can't do that here. You just you can't do that anywhere. But you just can't do that here. They they sniff it out. You just can't do it. That game against the I guess I think it was the Bucks where he was like 0 for 10 to start the game from three or whatever it was. You know, that level of stubbornness, that's not confidence. That's just stubbornness, right? So you're vacillating between being stubborn and being a wallflower, lacking confidence and lacking lacking a process. He, You saw at the end of the game, he scored four or five, about four times at the end of the game under the basket. About th- maybe three times three, under the basket, just fighting, wrestling when the Knicks were trying to stay in the game. Why weren't you, why weren't you doing that the whole game? Why weren't you doing that the whole game? Why were you hoisting up these fadeaway jump shots? I just don't think I just I just don't think he has a foundation that he needs to to be successful when the chips are down in this town. But that's okay. 
Because you, the Knicks as an organization and as a fan, you should not be looking at Julius Randle as your superstar. The Knicks are still in the hunt for a superstar because they need a guy who the ball is going to be in his hands at the end of the game. And he's not going to be that kind of shaky dude down a stretch at the end of the game. You just got to find a guy who's built for this city. I'm seeing Devin Booker rumors. I don't know where that's coming from at all, but I'm going to use Devin Booker. Devin Booker, he's built for this city. Now, not he's, you know, he's a warm weather type of player, meaning I don't see him being, you know, dealing with the New York winters. I don't see him as that kind of guy who's a zillion pictures on the beach. Right. Getting tanned. But in terms of his game, he is a dog. Not afraid of nothing. You want to talk to me? Okay, I got something for you. Like he's that guy. And Randall, he's like that guy sometimes, but he doesn't have the foundation. He doesn't have the game to back it up. His 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 game, his, his fundamentals are too shaky to back that up. Okay. But Devin Booker, he has a game to back it up. Anything he got a counter for whatever you're doing. Julius Randle, he can't even pass out of the double team sometimes. I want Julius to be successful. I don't think he's a bad. It seems like he's a very good dude. But I feel like he's just not getting enough personal coaching, or he's just very stubborn because some of the decisions he makes on the court just don't make sense. Get your butt under the rim. You're not hitting your jump shots. Find a way to get under the basket. Find a way to get under the basket and wrestle that ball up on, on, the, on the glass the way you do. Keep getting the offensive rebound if you're missing it. Charles Barkley style. What's wrong with that? Nothing. But you choosing to take fadeaway jump shots. There was a play in the game last night where the Knicks were trying to make a run. He got the ball ahead of him was Sims. Was way ahead. There was one person back because of the broadcast angle. You don't know if that guy was in the passing lane, but you also had IQ on the other side, way in front of him. All he had to do was advance the ball. He didn't advance the ball, waited too long, and then tried to pass the ball to Sims and it got thrown out of bounds. There was no excuse for that play. None. None. It needed to be advanced, but Julius Randle doesn't advance the ball. If you watch Julius Randle every night and he gets that ball off the rebound, he wants to go coast to coast. He wants to be that guy, right? It's a prefab decision that he's making, a prefabricated decision. He's not reading the floor. He's not instinctively uh, following the game, the flow of the game, what's happening on the court. He is literally, I want to do this and I'm going to do it. He's not reading the situation at all. Okay, he wanted to dribble the ball all the way down court and make a play for himself or make the get the assist to to somebody. He didn't want to advance the ball and give it and put the ball in someone else's hands. The play was so bad. You advance the ball as a two on one fast break. If, like I said, if you didn't want to give it to Sims, you give it to IQ and IQ makes the play. He either finishes or he sets up Sims. You in theory or or if you hustle, maybe you get the trailer pass back, but he does. there's no excuse for that not to happen. Get the ball out of your hands, advance the ball, and him not doing that, like those type of plays manifest themselves in different ways throughout the game. 
You're not making the best simple play because you have something in your mind that you want to do instead. And when you're thinking like that, sometimes it's selfish. Sometimes it's just overthinking. You can't play in Madison Square Garden when you're not hot. Because you're just thinking too much. You're in your own head. And then they're going to get in your head. And and that was proven last year. It was proven. So anyway, this is this was a bad loss for the Knicks objectively. Any way you slice it, it wasn't a, a loss that you that's unexpected, at least in my book. But it doesn't make it any less bad. Some troubling trends developing. I wanted to, to see the Knicks win this game against Washington, even though I knew it was going to be trouble because that would have shown that they recovered from that Toronto game. But they didn't. So now you got bad habits. You got bad mojo. You're still not playing well at home. You're in the dog days of the season right before the All-Star break. Mitchell Robinson got hurt. Don't feel good about things going forward right now. Don't feel good at all. But one way or the other, they're going to play those games and they're going to get paid, so you might as well get paid too. Head over to sportsethos.com. Check out all their wagering advice and DFS advice from those experts who are winning seemingly every day. Check them out. Get your fantasy news there as well. Follow at Sports Ethos on Twitter. Follow at Ethos Knicks. Until next time.